Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, March 26th, 2018. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio. Beantown Athletics is Boston's go-to destination for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownathletics.com. Today's show is presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using my promo code PICK. That's P-I-C. And opening day in Major League Baseball is this Thursday. That's right. This week, we will get some meaningful baseball. Finally. And now, you can put together a Major League Baseball lineup on DraftKings in the MLB 150K Moonshot Contest for opening day. And again, play for free with your first deposit with promo code PICK. That's P-I-C for your share of $150,000 in total prizes. So again, sign up right now at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app with promo code PICK, P-I-C. And I will be really putting together a Major League Baseball lineup every single day. I know that one that I just gave you is just for opening day on Thursday. And every team in the league will be opening on this Thursday. So, uh... You can put together a new lineup every single day for the entire season, and my promo code PICK, P-I-C, is good for the entire Major League Baseball season. So make sure you use it. And here in New England, with baseball season arriving, that means so is golf season. And like you, I've made a commitment to playing more golf this year. But here's the problem. It's just way too expensive. And I'm not talking about the price of a tee time. I'm talking about the absurd price of golf balls. Well, I'm here to help you guys out. It's a company called Golf Ball Monkey. Golf Ball Monkey sells premium, slightly used golf balls at a discounted rate. And I know what you're thinking. Used golf balls? Really, Danny? Well, think about this. How many times have you opened a brand new box of balls, taken one out, put it on a tee, hit it once, and lost it? A lot, right? Then what do you do? You take out another new ball, hit that one as well. You might even lose that one and use a third in your third shot. I don't know. Well, you might be wondering, what happened to the first one that you lost? I'll tell you what happened. Golf Ball Monkey found it, and it's still good as new. At Golf Ball Monkey, they harvest, buy, and sell premium used golf balls to wholesalers, retailers, and people like me and you. Go to GolfBallMonkey.com right now. That's GolfBallMonkey.com to place your order I'm on the site as we speak, and I can get a dozen Titleist Pro V1s, 2018 edition, a dozen Titleist Pro V1s for just $14.95. If you search for Titleist Pro V1s anywhere on the internet, you'll see that everywhere else is going to charge you 50 bucks for a dozen. That's absolutely insane. Golf Ball Monkey has more than just Titleist. They also have Callaway, Nike, Pinnacle, Bridgestone, TaylorMade, and more. So go to GolfBallMonkey.com right now and receive free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks and get 5% off, that's right, 5% off any order by using promo code PICK, that's P-I-C. Get back out on the course this year while swinging for less. Golf Ball Monkey, welcome to the show. Spring is in the air. And uh, actually, one more shout out before we get into it all. Special thanks today to Bread Gourmet for dropping off some lunch here at my studio inside of Beantown Athletics. Uh, the best burger in town at Bread Gourmet, I can assure you of that. And Bread Gourmet wants to cater your next lunch or event. Hit them up, catering at breadgourmet.com. That's an email, catering at breadgourmet.com. Or go to their website, 
breadgourmet.com. Again, I can assure you the best burger in town. Special thanks to Bread Gourmet. And let's get to it. The final four is set Saturday and Monday in San Antonio. And the final four is as follows. Loyola, Chicago, an 11 seed in the final four. Loyola, Chicago will be playing Michigan. Michigan is a three seed. And then in the other semifinal, Villanova, a one seed, will play Kansas, a one seed. And so two one seeds, a three seed, and an 11 seed. I was not all in on the NCAA tournament this year. And in the past, I have been all in on it. Uh, This was, for whatever reason, it just, for me, it had a different feel. I know I've discussed a little bit maybe why in previous shows because of all the New England Patriots drama. Uh, that we've kept our eye out for. You know, you get a lot of stuff going on with the Bruins and the Celtics. Both teams were expecting to be in the playoffs and not just expecting, we know they will be in the playoffs. And the Red Sox, any any time of the year, the Red Sox are always in the news in this town. There's always a lot of stuff going on in the professional sports world, but I do feel like there's more going on right now this year than maybe in some previous years because of the Patriots added drama and, uh, you know, the Bruins and the Celtics, knowing just how good both of those teams are and the expectations that we now have for those teams, even with all the injuries that they are currently facing. But uh, And as, we, as I told you, awaiting the regular season for Major League Baseball, which begins this week, there's a lot of stuff going on, which has grabbed my attention more than the NCAA tournament has grabbed my attention, but I was sitting there watching the Duke-Kansas game on Sunday night in the Elite Eight as Kansas beats Duke in overtime, which, by the way, when Grayson Allen took that shot at the end of regulation and it hits the the rim, the backboard, the rim again, it's rolling around, I, I can't tell you how happy I was to see that not go in. I, I do not like Grayson Allen. I just think, The kid's kind of a punk. He just kind of seems... He comes off like this spoiled brat. I don't like the kid. And I find myself rooting against him. I don't go into a Duke game, you know, with a a sign in my hand that says Grayson Allen sucks. Like, I don't don't wear a Grayson Allen sucks t-shirt when I'm watching Duke basketball games if I ever find myself watching a Duke basketball game. But... When I am what if I am watching a game and when I am watching a Duke basketball game, for whatever reason, I just find myself rooting against this kid whenever he goes up for a shot. And with the game on the line at the end of that game yesterday, I was just, I, I was off my seat hoping that that Grayson Allen jump shot was a miss. And it was, it was a miss. And uh, Kansas goes on to win that game in overtime. But I'm watching this game and I'm looking at the landscape of the NCAA tournament and I'm thinking to myself, There's got to be another reason why I'm just not into it this year like I've been into it in previous years. It's got to be more than just the whole, well, I live in a pro sports town and and that takes priority. This has been a pro sports town for as long as I can remember, as long as I've been alive. And yet there have still been some years where I've been a little bit more interested in the NCAA tournament. So I'm sitting there watching this Kansas Duke game going, there's got to be something else. And, you know, I'm on social media, and maybe social media has ruined some things for me as well. But, you know, the love for Loyola Chicago as an 11 seed in the Final Four, you know, the fact that we had an Elite Eight game 
between an 11 seed Loyola Chicago and a 9 seed in Kansas State. Um, you know, I look at that and I go, maybe that's it. Maybe it's because there are so many Cinderella's now. Like, we expect there to be Cinderella's playing deep into the tournament, don't we? Like, it's not, it, it's almost no longer a Cinderella. You get what I'm saying? If Cinderella's are the norm, are they even a Cinderella? It's a, it's a legitimate question. So it's like, it used to be a Cinderella. Now it's an expectation. We expect there to be nine seeds, 10 seeds, 11 seeds playing deep into the tournament. We expect that. We don't, we don't just expect them to have a first round upset. We expect them to win, also win in the second round to maybe even win in the Sweet 16 and get to the Elite Eight like you saw with an 11 seed versus a 9 seed, Loyola Chicago versus Kansas State, which obviously leads to one of those two teams being in the Final Four. This is now an expectation. If Cinderella's are the norm, is it even a Cinderella? Right? It's not. So, you know, I'm watching these games thinking to myself, maybe this is why. You know, maybe because it used to be so shocking when a team was actually a Cinderella. It used to be so shocking. It's not shocking anymore. It's expected, which I think takes away some of the excitement for me. It does. And, you know, if Cinderella's are becoming the norm, I think, you know, from a competition standpoint, from a competitive standpoint, you should, the NCAA should be looking at this thing going, all right, maybe when we get to the Sweet 16, we should reseed so that, you know, we don't have, let's say, in the Elite Eight, Kansas has to play Duke, right? Kansas doesn't have to play Duke in the Elite Eight. Well, Loyola Chicago is playing Kansas State. A one's playing a two. Meanwhile, on the other side of the bracket, an 11's playing a nine. You know, should you reseed when you get to the Sweet 16? They probably should. Meaning that maybe you'd have, I don't know, Villanova playing against Loyola Chicago in the Sweet 16. They probably should reseed it if Cinderella's are becoming the norm from from a competition standpoint. I I just think maybe that's the way it should be. Uh, You know, but I don't think they're going to do it. I mean, they're not going to do that because of the way the brackets are and because of what the NCAA actually stands for, which we all know is as corrupt as corrupt could be. They love the idea. If they're going to do anything to the bracket, they're not going to reseed in the Sweet 16 because then, let's face it, you wouldn't really have a bracket. I mean, you go to the NHL, the National Hockey League. What was their problem with postseason gambling? What was their problem? And they've changed that recently because, and, and, and I'll tell you why in a minute. The problem in the postseason with postseason gambling in the National Hockey League was you had no set bracket. Like, so you, it was tough to have NHL brackets. Now, I know people who did it, but it was just complicated because the NHL receded. You didn't always know. As you sat there and went into your first round Stanley Cup playoff matchup, you didn't always know who you'd play in the second round if you won your first-round matchup. It had to do with seeds. It was reseed. They were reseeds. And because of that, it was tough to fill out an NHL bracket. Well, the NHL, they've changed the Stanley Cup playoff format to where it is set brackets now, which makes for 
some interesting postseason gambling. The brackets are a real thing. The NCAA knows that. They're not going to change the brackets and reseed because that would really screw up with the whole system. It, it really would. It would screw it up. Um, so they're not going to do that. If they're going to do anything, they're going to add more teams to the tournament and add an even bigger bracket that doesn't reseed. But from a competition standpoint, if you took the corruption out of it and the gambling out of it, you probably should reseed by the time you get to the Sweet 16 in this day and age where Cinderella's are now the expectation and the norm. They're no longer Cinderella's. They're the expectation. You should probably reseed. They're not going to do it. But I'm just trying to explain to you why. You know, I'm trying to figure out why my interest level isn't there with this tournament. And I think it's because... I don't know, like the Cinderella's don't do it for me anymore because I expect something like that to happen. I do. And not for nothing, but Loyola Chicago versus Michigan. Michigan is a five-point favorite. That's it. Just a five-point favorite. You look at the other game, Villanova, a one seed, versus Kansas, a one seed. That spreads only five points as well. Villanova's a five-point favorite on on a one seed. Meanwhile, number three seed Michigan's a five-point favorite on an 11 seed. So, I, I'm looking at this thing on, I almost expect Loyola Chicago to beat Michigan and be in the national championship game. And if I'm expecting that, just how exciting it, does that actually make the NCAA tournament? Right? How exciting does that actually make it? Uh, you know, if you if you don't sit there and put money on every game, and I don't. I don't put money on the NC every game in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's usually what the bracket is for. But uh, I just look at it and go up and down this whole list here. Nine seeds, 11 seeds. You know, there's teams that have no business being in the, in the Elite Eight, Sweet 16, that are now getting their foot in the door and throwing their hat in the ring to get to the Final Four almost every single year. And, um, you know, the definition of Cinderella has now sort of become, you know, the expectation. If if Cinderella's are the norm, is it a Cinderella? The answer is no, it's not. And maybe because the this is the expectation, it, it's taken some of the excitement level out of it for me, at least. And again, I can only speak for myself. I don't know. Maybe you're just as excited in the NCAA tournament as you always have been. I'm just trying to express to you why I haven't been. But like I said, there's a lot of other stuff going on. This weekend, we had Bubba Watson winning the WGC match play. Now, Tiger Woods, the Tiger Woods watch was put on hold because match play this weekend only consisted of the world's top 64 players as of March 11th, and Tiger was not in that top 64. Now, I question if they could have done something to still get him in. I don't know if he would have played in it anyways, though, so maybe that's why they didn't do it. Either way, Tiger Woods did not play this weekend. He's not going to play this coming weekend. What is it? The Is it the Houston Open? Is that what this is? I don't exactly know the, the tournament, but Tiger Woods never plays the week before the Masters, and the Masters will be next week. So uh, we're getting set for not this weekend, but the weekend after. I mean, look, this weekend's the Final Four. All right, games are going to be on Saturday and Monday in San Antonio. But next weekend, you got the Masters. Next weekend, you have WrestleMania. And uh, that's going to be an exciting weekend. I, I know. 
I'm actually more excited about WrestleMania than anything else. And and maybe that speaks to a whole different audience on this show. I usually save my wrestling talk to the end of the show, so I won't really get into WrestleMania talk right now today because there's other stuff going on. And, and really the biggest story that we've been following or we followed all weekend, at least here in Boston, is the Kyrie Irving knee situation. I told you on Thursday's podcast of last week that... Kyrie Irving, who was going to have a second opinion on his sore knee, I told you that if if it was absolutely necessary, he would need surgery before next season. I said, he needs to have the surgery right now. You cannot wait on this. If you need to have the surgery, like if he goes and had, had the second opinion and they said, hey, you got to have surgery before next season, then have the surgery right now. I don't care what the recovery timetable is. Because the Celtics have made an investment on a 25, 26-year-old Kyrie Irving to go along with an investment in Gordon Haywood, who is not returning this season. And, you know, you can't put everything on just this one year because the window is much larger than one season. At least that's the investment that you made. The investment is larger than just one year. So if Kyrie, I told you on Thursday, if Kyrie Irving was told when getting his second opinion, that he would need surgery at some point before next season, then he should have the surgery right now. And the result of the second opinion was actually knee surgery. Kyrie Irving is expected to miss three to six weeks after undergoing surgery on Saturday to remove a tension wire in his left knee. And the statement from the Celtics sort of describing this procedure, they said... It was a minimally invasive procedure, but here's what they say in the statement, quote, the wire was originally placed as part of the surgical repair of a fractured patella sustained during the 2015 NBA Finals. While removal of the wire should relieve irritation it was causing in Irvin's patella tendon, the fractured patella has fully healed and Irvin's knee has been found to be completely structurally sound, end quote. So, The bad news is Kyrie Irving, he was told he needed to have surgery, right? That's anytime you say Kyrie Irving surgery right now, that's not good news. Because again, you never know when you get into that surgery, what you're going to find. You have no idea. So you hear, got to have surgery, Kyrie Irving, bad news. The good news is it sounds like the surgery went well. The good news is they found his knee to be completely structurally sound, The good news is they said it was minimally invasive. And if you expect the Celtics to get past the first round of the NBA playoffs, the good news is Kyrie Irving is expected to only miss three to six weeks and will not be shut down the rest of the year. I mean, I expect him to be shut down the rest of the regular season because the regular season ends in two and a half weeks. So if you're going to go, you know, Again, the timetable's three to six weeks. I do not think they should rush this back. I'm going to look at this thing all in six weeks. And you could call me, you know, being a a pessimist all you want. But I think if you're the Celtics, you got to be careful. Uh, You tell me three to six. You tell me you got to be careful. I'm looking at six weeks. Let's just say, worst case scenario, Kyrie Irving has to miss six weeks. If you don't have your calendar in front of you, I got one. Six weeks from the surgery this past Saturday would mean Kyrie Irving would be able to return on May 5th. And that would be 
middle to the end of the second round, if we're going to look back at last year. Last year, the conference finals began on May 17th, just two days after the Celtics beat the Wizards in Game 7, right? So that second round series last year ended on May 15th. So we're looking at middle of the second round for Kyrie Irving to return. You know, if you're going the three weeks, then you're looking at Kyrie Irving to return for the playoffs. Depending on who you play, and and I'm, that's not how I feel. I think maybe they will look at it like that. I feel like, look, if you're telling me there's a possibility he could miss six weeks, then there's a reason for that. Don't rush him back. There is no need to rush Kyrie Irving back. And I guess my biggest question is, even though the statement says they found Irving's knee to be completely structurally sound, my question is, what are the risks of a return this year for Kyrie Irving? Are there any risks? Right? I mean, that's a pretty big window. Three to six weeks he's going to miss. Anywhere from three to six. You're talking, all right, he's going to be out the rest of the regular season. We know that. But you're talking returning at the beginning of, you know, to begin the playoffs or to return at the end of the second round. I mean, that's a major difference because you could be playing Cleveland in the second round. And at that point, it's like, if you're going to go the full six weeks and Irving could return at the end of the second round or middle of the second round, that series might already be over. I mean, it might already be 3-0 Cleveland without Kyrie Irving on the Celtics, right, in that second round. So it's a pretty big window, which leads me to believe that maybe there is some concern and a little more concern than the statement might make it sound when they say Irving's knee has been found to be completely structurally sound. Okay, great. But uh, when is the soreness going to go down? Right? I Maybe that's why the window's so big. I don't know. He doesn't know. We're going to have to wait and see. They hope, they hope that removing this tension wire from the knee is going to, you know, eliminate the irritation that was going on, eliminate the soreness. And when the soreness is eliminated, I don't think it's going to be, okay, lace them up and jump back out there. You, you're going to have to work your way into it. I would I would think as minimally invasive a procedure as you get on your knee. I don't think you, I don't think you should be playing games with this. Is what I'm saying, and they've thrown out 110 percent. Kyrie wants to be 110 percent when he returns. That's what they've thrown out. And I look, they should wait until Kyrie's 110 percent. But when will he be 110 percent? Will he be 110 percent to begin the first round of the playoffs? Will he be 110% to begin in the middle to late of the second round? Or do you get through that six weeks? Do you get to the middle of the second round and you say, eh, he's 90% and there are some risks involved? Look, if you're telling me there are going to be risks involved and Kyrie returning even in, in the second round, I'll tell you, keep him on the sideline. Keep him on the sideline. Because the last thing you need is to create any type of disruption with any previous procedure and then have to go through something else and have this just become something it shouldn't have because you felt you wanted to be a little competitive against Cleveland in the second round. I told you on Thursday last week, the Celtics need to be honest with themselves about their chances of going deep into the playoffs this year, even if Kyrie Irving is healthy. They have to be, they have to be honest about this stuff. As much as we've been optimistic about everything Celtics-related, Jason Tatum, you know, Jalen Brown just returned. Uh, you got to love what Marcus Morris has given you. You know, all right, Smart is injured right now. When is he going to be back? 
Um, you know, there's still some things that did not go the Celtics way. And one of those things is that Gordon Haywood is not playing right now. And the other thing is that I just mentioned, Marcus Smart also has the torn thumb ligament. And who knows what that timetable is going to be, even though he says he expects to be playing in the playoffs. There are still some some questions. And really, the biggest question is, maybe it's not even Celtics-related, the biggest question is just the state of the NBA, which is the best players are going to have the most success in the playoffs. And LeBron James is still one of the best players in the world. So you run into some serious competition, and, you know, I, I get it. Golden State, now they're, now they're dealing with some shit. You know, Curry's got the knee. Uh, you know, do they, you see an opening with that? I, I don't know what you see with other teams, but the Celtics got to be honest with themselves. And if there are going to be some risks involved with Kyrie returning at some point during the playoffs and he's not going to be 100%, me personally, I would say you're not going out there. The, you know, let, let's get back to 110% because the investment is a whole, what the Celtics have going on with the youth, you know, all everything they did with those Brooklyn picks, with Brown, with Tatum, with signing uh, Gordon Haywood, uh, you know, trading for Kyrie Irving. I mean, next year, the Celtics might be the favorite to come out of the East. Next year, the Celtics might have, the you know, with a healthy Irving, a healthy Haywood, the Celtics might have the second best odds to win the NBA championship next year. I mean, I feel like next year is going to be the real year, the serious year, the year that we look at the Celtics and go, all right, it's, it, you know, it's not outrageous to start talking about how this team could match up with Golden State or Houston or whoever, Oklahoma City in the NBA Finals. It is not too soon to be looking at how they'd match up with those teams. I think right now, because they don't have Haywood, Smart's hurt, Kyrie's out, it's it's unrealistic to, to, to be matching the Celtics up with some teams in the West in the NBA Finals where I don't even think they get by Cleveland right now. So, uh, you got to be honest. They got to be honest. Now, you could tell me there's no risks with Kyrie's name. He could come back 110%. To begin game one of the first round of the NBA playoffs, and if that's what if that's reality, then go go ahead, go get him. Let's go, let's do this. Let's see what type of run you can have. You know, prove someone like me wrong. I'll hope I'm wrong. I'll be rooting to be wrong. I'll be rooting for the Celtics to beat Cleveland. I wouldn't put my money on it, but I'll be rooting for it. You know, you but but if you're telling me there's no risks, go for it. I just don't know. I still think there's questions. I. Just because the Celtics, you know, throw this into the statement, the team statement, and say, well, it was minimally invasive and Kyrie's knee was found to be completely structurally sound, I see a window of three to six weeks, and I'm like, eh. It's a big window. You know, six weeks. <laughs> six weeks is, is that Cinco de Mayo. And that's throwing you into a second-round series against Cleveland where by that point, Cleveland might already be up 2 0 3 and is it worth risking at that point? You know, so I still have questions. And I guess we're just going to have to see how it plays out. And, and really, more than anything, we're going to have to see how Kyrie is feeling. I mean, you could get, we could get two weeks from now, get news that Kyrie, all right, they took out the, the tension wire, but he's still sore. There's still irritation there. Everything's structurally sound, but the, it's just not fully healed. And it's taken a while. Well, you have to be patient if you're the Celtics. And you got to be honest with yourself. 
everything that you've invested in, all the kids, all the trades, the signings, uh, it's bigger than just one year. And in fact, the best years of the group that you have right now, I, I think realistically won't be for another two to three years. You know, really when Tatum has hit his stride, really when Jalen Brown is continually jumping through the roof every single night. You know, I, I, the, the, the peak with this Celtics group, they are not going to hit that peak for another two to three years. But that's a good thing. I mean, that, that just shows you that, the, look, I know I might sound like a Debbie Downer right now, but I kind of, I want to come off like I'm being optimistic for the long haul. This is a great thing for the Celtics. My point is don't rush anything now with Kyrie Irving. That's really my point. I, I don't think there's any need to rush it. But we're going to have to wait and see how he feels. I just hope that they can all be fairly realistic with what's going on with their team, what's going on with their chances this year, as opposed to what the big picture window is with this group. I hope they can be honest with that and realistic with that. But my, my really my message is don't rush anything with Kyrie Irving. But we'll have to wait and see how he feels in a couple weeks. So that was the that's really the biggest story we were following over the weekend. You know, you come into this week and you see some other pieces of news before you get to Major League Baseball and opening day on Thursday. And we're always following the National Football League and and the NFL offseason. As we speak, the NFL is having its annual league meeting in Orlando. And the news out of that from a New England standpoint is that Bill Belichick spoke. Bill Belichick has spoken to the media. As you know, Bill Belichick speaks sometimes, most of the time, he doesn't really say anything at all. But with all the cryptic shit that we've seen from Gronk on social media, from Tom Brady on his Facebook documentary, uh, you know, to the late night show appearances, all the cryptic stuff on Instagram, Twitter, comments that they're making, all that cryptic bullshit with Brady and Gronk and other players in the Patriots, to me, just reading quotes from Bill Belichick today that don't really tell us anything, that are just somewhat generic, as they usually are with Bill Belichick, this is refreshing to see. And I never thought I would really say that. But it's refreshing to see from the standpoint, and I've told you over the last month or so, the Patriot way is a real thing. It works. It's business as usual. And Foxborough... Even this year, with the loss of Butler, with the loss of Deion Lewis, with the loss of Amendola and Nate Solder, look at the money those guys got. Look at the players the Patriots ended up bringing in, you know, at at, at smaller prices. It's business as usual for Bill Belichick. And I, it hasn't been business as usual for players like Gronk or Brady, who are kind of out in the public sending these cryptic messages, leading us to believe that maybe they've They've stopped buying into that Patriot way. And I told you, I haven't really liked seeing that stuff. And uh, so because of that, it's refreshing to see Bill Belichick stick out of the Patriot way and giving us these generic answers. But he did say something about his conversations with Tom Brady. Now, he didn't get into anything on Malcolm Butler. He just said he wishes him well. He didn't get into anything really on Rob Gronkowski. He says that... He won't talk about any conversations he's had with players. He says he's had conversations with players. He's not going to get into the details of who he's talked to. Uh, but he answered some questions about Tom Brady. 
And I have a quote, actually, from it. So uh, here's a quote from Belichick. It says, when asked about, you know, Tom Brady and, and the messages that he's been sending, the cryptic messages and, and the Tom verse time, here's what Belichick said. He said, quote, I've had direct conversations with Tom many times over a long period of time. I'll rely on those conversations I have with him directly rather than something else. Tom and I have always had a good line of communication. We've always been able to talk directly with each other. I don't see that changing. I'll rely on those instead of anything else. Belichick continues, quote, everything's an evolution and everything's different. Things change. Guys go from not being experienced to experienced. We all have a lot of things along the way that happen to us, and we all learn from them. We're always evolving. It evolves every year, every day, every week, every month, every game plan, and quote. So that's what Bill Belichick said. He says he's not going to read into Tom Burr's time. He's not going to read into cryptic messages. He knows that he has direct conversations with Tom Brady. He always has, and he always will. And that's, that's good to hear. Because, I, you know, we were wondering about it. Now, who knows? Belichick could just be, you know, feeding us uh, the Patriot, you know, the Patriot way and, and, and the lines that he always uses. But um, I actually believe him. I think this is true. I think Belichick, he talks to Brady. I mean, the idea that Belichick and Brady don't talk about stuff and don't get into detail on stuff, whether it's game plan or future of the franchise or each other's futures, I think... The fact that people think they don't have that conversation is somewhat mind-boggling to me. Like, I do think these guys have that conversation. I do. They might not leave the conversation happy with each other, but I feel like they do have that direct line of communication that Belichick talked about that I just read to that quote. I I, I actually believe Belichick on this one. I don't think he's just feeding us the company line. I, I think I think he he's being he's being real about that. And, you know, it's not a juicy quote. It... It doesn't follow the narrative that Seth Wickersham has tried to throw out there. It doesn't. It doesn't follow the narrative of 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 the people who who are spreading all the the rumors and juice about the the drama that's going on and taking place inside those walls at Gillette Stadium. I I, I think Bill Belichick, as head coach of the New England Patriots, as a guy who is clearly still focused on trying to win and trying to win next, you know, as, as soon as next year and this coming season, I think he is telling the truth when he's like, listen, yeah, Tom's going to do his stuff, but I have a direct line of communication with Tom Brady. I always have, and I always will. And the only thing that I'm ever going to read into is what he has to say and what we have to say to each other in those conversations. And, and it doesn't, look, again, I, it doesn't just happen when they're standing out at practice and you might see a picture with Belichick swinging his whistle around his finger and, and Brady's doing a little quick stretch and he walks by Belichick and they say something to each other. These guys have conversations. Come on, you think they don't? They have conversations. Again, they might not like what's being said, but they have conversations. And um, it's good to hear. That was refreshing to hear. It was refreshing to see because... You know, we've been having to read into everything. But Belichick's like, no, you know what? Me and Tom, we talk. And we'll continue to talk. And that's that. (laughs) And I think Belichick kept it simple. Kept it straightforward. And it's look, it's not the juicy stuff that everybody wants. I get it. Belichick never gives you the juicy stuff that everybody wants. 
And I know a lot of the time it's just him giving us the company line and, and giving us straightforward generic answers. But I think this, while it is generic and straightforward, I think this is more real than maybe any other generic statement that he's made. He's going to have conversations with Tom Brady and he's not going to read into anything else other than the conversations he has with Brady. And I, I feel like that's sort of saying, look, if Tom's got something to say, then then he'll say it. If he doesn't say it, then it's just weird. And that's kind of the way I feel. Like, if Brady has something to say to Belichick, say it to him. It's have a conversation. Because I know you have the conversations. Don't put it in a documentary and don't and not bring it up when you show up to Gillette for workouts. If, if, there's, if there's something that needs to be said, say it. And I think Belichick's saying that. Look, if he's got something to say, he'll say it to me. If not, it's business, you know, we're going to go about business as usual. And to kind of hear him relay that message, business as usual, is refreshing for me to hear. It is. So anything else that comes out of the NFL Annual League meeting in Orlando, I will discuss it on this show. But with opening day later this week, I'm excited for that. Again, you get that feeling. Maybe you can open the windows in the house a little bit soon, right? Watch some baseball. Finally, it is here. I don't think we're going to be getting any more snow. Knock on wood. I hope I didn't just jinx that. But um, I'm looking at the weather and the forecasts, and we're going to get into the 40s, mid-40s, you know, low 50s. It's spring Spring is here. Spring is in the air. I can feel it. And the Red Sox begin the regular season this Thursday in Tampa Bay. First pitch at 4 o'clock. Chris Sale versus Chris Archer. Now, I will give my Major League Baseball season predictions on Thursday's podcast. It'll drop early on Thursday before the games begin. I know I told you I'd drop them today, but I'm not going to drop them today. I'm going to drop them on Thursday. Uh, I might even record them on Wednesday night for you and then drop the podcast on Thursday morning and have it. I might even drop it for you Wednesday night. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out the schedule for this week. But um, you will get my Major League Baseball predictions coming up uh, on Thursday's podcast instead of today's. But I will go over a couple other things here and, and I will make a pre- one, I'll make one prediction for you. I'm not going to give you any division winners today. I'll save that for Thursday's show. I'm not going to give you my World Series champ and my Cy Youngs and my MVPs. What I will do today is take a look at, I guess, a couple of the hardcore numbers and hardcore gambling aspects to the Major League Baseball season. And uh, with that said, I have to go over the, I guess, the favorite to win it all is Houston again. Plus 550, they're the favorite. The Astros are the favorite to win the World Series again. uh, Then it's followed by the Dodgers, the second best odds to win the World Series, plus 575. The Yankees, the third best odds, plus 600. The Cubs, the fourth best odds, plus 700. The Indians, the fifth best odds, plus 750. The Nationals, plus 950. And the Red Sox, plus 1,000. The Red Sox have the seventh best odds to win the World Series. I understand that's not great, and there's a lot of good teams that they have ahead of them. So, obviously, the Yankees are the favorite to win the AL East, minus 150. The Red Sox have the second best odds to win the AL East at plus 140. Keeping it Red Sox related, Chris Sale is the favorite to win the AL Cy Young at plus 225. Here's what would be a pretty good bet, though. Even though Sale's the favorite to win the AL 
Cy Young at plus 225. Here's something that you should, I think, consider. David Price is not really that close to being one of the favorites. David Price is plus 2,500 to win the AL Cy Young. That would not be a bad bet. If you if you throw a hundo on that, if you have a hundred bucks hanging around, and I, that might be a, I don't know, maybe that's maybe that's too much. I can understand if it is, uh, but I, hey, you got a jar of coins? Go to Coinstar, get a hundred bucks, take hundred bucks, put it on David Price to win the AL Cy Young. That to me, as I am looking over all of the odds coming up for the 2018 Major League Baseball season. David Price to win the AL Cy Young at plus 2,500 is very intriguing, and it might be the best bet that you could make when it comes to, I don't know, you want to call it a value play? Um, The odds, plus 2,500. David Price was filthy in the postseason out of the bullpen. Last year, but I'm sort of looking at this thing from a incentive standpoint. David Price, look, the narrative is David Price doesn't want to be here, right? That he doesn't like playing in Boston. He signed a monster contract, which gives him $31 million a season for seven seasons. He signed it a couple of years ago. But there's this opt-out that he can put into effect after this season. David Price can opt out of this contract after this year. And, you know, right now it might not look like a good idea considering what we just saw with Major League Baseball's free agency and, you know, how guys waited it out and it just, it was almost, you know, people were thinking maybe there was some type of collusion that teams were not going to spend all this big money on big-name free agents right away. And, And, you know, you had that whole... Spring training for free agents. It just it was it was kind of a weird offseason in Major League Baseball. So maybe it would maybe right now maybe it doesn't look like a good idea to opt out and become a free agent, especially when you're over the age of thirty and you're coming off last year an injury. You know you felt some what some tightness, some soreness in the elbow and the forearm. It might not look like a good idea, but hey, if the narrative is true, and there have been times where the narrative has looked to be true, that I can honestly say I have felt at times like David Price did not does not want to play for the Boston Red Sox. I, I, have, I have said that many times because I have felt that many times, whether it's things that he says, um, ways that he acts. You know, I don't blame him for getting the big contract and taking the most money that was available to him a couple of years ago. Good for him. But there's a reason why there's this opt-out after the third year. And, you know, I don't think that it's a crazy idea to believe David Price might not want to play here anymore and knows the only way he can leave while making similar money that he's making now with this monster contract is by having a monster 2018. And if there is that incentive to go along with the incentive of, well, last year was a tough year and was a tough look because... He missed most of the season with an injury, and then, you know, he had the whole Dennis Eckersley situation, whatever. You know, I do think that the competitor in David Price 
there's incentive alone to have a bounce back year and maybe prove some people wrong. A lot of people who have been talking shit about him and saying that he's no good. Now, I've never said he's no good. I've told you that the Red Sox are a much better team when David Price is is not just on the team and healthy, but in the rotation and at the top of the rotation with Chris Sale. Sale and Price can be a devastating one-two punch. They can. They can be a devastating one-two punch. And uh, Price is, has heard a lot of trash talking coming his way in the media from fans. He's heard it. And, you know, I'm sure he doesn't like it. Is he not liking it and it's pushing him out of town? Either way, there is incentive because of that trash talking that people are, are doing, because people are bad mouthing him. I think the competitor in him alone and David Price alone is probably going to force him to want to come out and dominate maybe more than he has in a long time. So, uh, you know, living up to the hype of the contract, but also this idea that he can opt out and get out of town, I think is a real thing. I think is even extra incentive to have a monster year. And with David Price at plus 2,500 to be the American League Cy Young this year, I think that is as good a bet as you could make as I look at the landscape of odds throughout the entire major leagues. David Price, plus 2,500 to win the AL Cy Young. Might be your best bet. Might be your best bet heading in to the Major League season, which again begins this Thursday. And the one, I guess, prediction I will make for you on this show, and again, I'll make most of my predictions on Thursday's podcast for the entire season, but the Red Sox win total. The over-under in Vegas on the amount of wins that the Red Sox will have this year is 92. Over-under, Red Sox wins 92. Now, they won 93 last year, won the division. They won 93 the year before that, won the division. This year, the Red Sox over-under is 92. The Yankees, they are an improved team. The Yankees had 91 wins last year. But I just look at the Red Sox and see that they had 93 wins last year. Knowing some of the issues they had, I just told you, they were missing David Price for a lot of that season. David Ortiz had retired. (laughs) No David Ortiz. You look at this year. Well, they had J.D. Martinez. You're going to get Andrew Benatendi. You're going to get Rafael Devis. These kids are continuing to improve. To me... The Red Sox didn't get worse. They got better. So if the Red Sox got better, and now they have two straight seasons of 93 wins in first place, they can't have 93 wins again. They can't get 94 wins again. And you know what? As good as the Yankees are, who knows? That might not even be good enough to win the division. But for me to sit here and say, well, the Red Sox are going to be worse than they've been the last two years, and they are not going to have 92 wins, for me to say that, I think would be a little outrageous, so I'm not gonna. My heart tells me, my brain tells me that the Red Sox are gonna have more than 92 wins. Maybe they have 93 again, maybe they have 94, but it'll be more than 92. So for the Red Sox over-under in 2018, with the win total being 92, I will take the over. The Red Sox will have more than 92 wins this season. That is the only prediction I will really make for you on this show. So the Red Sox win total, take the over. Over under is 92. I will be back on Thursday to give you my 
complete predictions for the upcoming Major League Baseball season. And then next week, uh, we'll do a WrestleMania preview. We'll get into some Masters stuff, whatever is out there. And, uh, of course, keep our eye on the Celtics. Keep our eye on the Bruins, who are regaining some health now. They got some bodies back. Patrice Bergeron is back. So we got some exciting times, and the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NBA playoffs are right around the corner. So I can't wait. We got a lot of stuff coming up very soon. Subscribe to this show. DannyPicard.com, also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Podcast One, anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody, and don't forget... Subscribe to my YouTube page, youtube.com slash Danny Picard, because there will be some new regular content dropping there very, very soon, and you do not want to miss that. It's not my podcast. I know I throw some highlights up every once in a while and throw them up. I'm not talking about that. I got two new shows, new shows and regular series that I will be launching, two of them on my YouTube page, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. I am out. Talk to you again on Thursday.